0: From my home office, on behalf of the Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University, this is Getting Ethics to Work, the podcast that tackles the trickier moral dilemmas that you might face in the workplace. I'm your host and Prindle Institute director, Andy Cullison, and with me is our producer, Kate Berry.
1: Hello. For each episode of Getting Ethics to Work, we discuss a case or issue and unpack the difficult and often hidden ethical tensions that can make it hard to get along with others at work. And by the way, case is just an ethicist word for story.
0: Now, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we are not lawyers and are not offering legal expertise. But as an ethicist, I can help you think about the ethics of secrets, but only if you promise not to tell anyone.
1: And if you like what you've been hearing and want to help us out, the best thing you can do is recommend the show to a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I hope you'll consider doing that.
0: Kate, didn't you say we have another listener letter?
1: Yeah, we have another one, although we've changed some of the details on this. So, listener, if you're out there... Um, hopefully it's still recognizable to you, but there were, there were some things that we tweaked a little bit, but our advice is pretty much the same.
0: Yes. So what's the case?
1: Rose is the trainer of a grant funded free job training program. She notices that one of the people who's in the program has stopped showing up and the granting agency stipulates that there's an attendance requirement. If you miss twice, you should be cut from the program and you're not allowed to take future courses. Rose goes to her supervisor, Sebastian, and tells him the situation. He says that he would prefer not to jeopardize the person's chances of taking classes in the future and says something like, for all we know, this could be COVID-related. There's a weird rule about this, that trainers aren't supposed to contact the people in the program. There's uh, additional support staff that coordinates with the participants, and Sebastian doesn't want Rose alerting that staff. And so he tells her, don't contact the person who's missing. And he says, finally, ignore this. Don't kick him out of the class. Don't let anyone know he's missing. Oh, and don't tell anyone we had this conversation. Ooh. Yeah.
0: So let me just make sure I get some of the important details down. We have this free training program to get somebody work ready in some way shape or form, right? Yep. And uh, someone hasn't been showing up to Rose's class. There's a rule that you you get kicked out. You don't get to participate anymore if you don't, if you don't, if you stop showing up, right?
1: Yes. And it means that you don't get to do further training programs. So if this is something that builds on itself, if you drop out of one class, you can't continue to any of the others.
0: Okay, I see. And uh, the supervisor, Sebastian, is like, I don't want this person to get kicked out of the program. So let's just ignore this. And to make sure that it continues to be ignored, don't go talking to the support staff about it, because then more people will know that this person isn't showing up and we might have to do something. So don't go talk to them. Right. And by the way, uh, don't tell anyone that I told you to do this.
1: Exactly.
0: Right. Okay, so this is uh, this is an interesting case. So let's get to work.
1: Okay, so it strikes me as this, don't tell anyone we had this conversation, like let's keep this between you and I. That seems really odd, right?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of weird secrecy being expected of Rose and sh- And she's in a kind of awkward position since it's from the supervisor. So she probably feels like she doesn't have much cover going into this. She's being told to violate a rule by a supervisor. And she may end up looking like she's not doing her job.
1: Right. So if someone notices that there's this person who hasn't been showing up, then it looks like Rose didn't follow the proper protocols of kicking them out. And it looks like she's done the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. And um, doesn't have coverage, right? Uh, So the the general issue seems to be, at least on the face of it, it looks like someone like Rose might be feeling like she's dealing with a supervisor who doesn't want to own a decision. But now there is a kernel of good intention here, right? It sounds like the supervisor thinks the rule might be too rigid, perhaps for the current COVID-19 circumstances, and and that maybe there ought to be an exception in this case. And so they're making some kind of judgment executive decision call. And, And so... Maybe the supervisor's not being super evil here. Uh, Maybe they've got something going on. But still, it's weird that they're asking for secrecy.
1: So, Andy, as a boss, do you feel like it's ever okay to try to ask someone at work to keep something a secret?
0: I don't know. I mean, it's... Well, it would be in Rose's interest to try and think through this and try and figure out, like, are there any possible reasons that someone might have for wanting me to do something but keep it a secret that I was given the order to do it, right? Could you ever come up with situations? And I I mean, I think, you know, there, there sometimes might be situations where people might want to keep a secret and not let people know that they gave the order that probably are going to strike us as okay. So for example, imagine, um, this is totally unrelated to the case, but I just wanted to give a clear example. Uh, imagine that you're setting up security cameras around a warehouse, right? And you, you've you been given a budget for security cameras, and you go to the boss and you say, look, you said you wanted 20 security cameras, but we really only have enough money for 10. And the boss says, I'll tell you what, make every other camera a fake. Go get one of those cheap, like $5 knockoff cameras. Uh, but here's the thing, don't tell anyone I told you to do that, right? Now, you might think in that case... The reason for secrecy is the boss doesn't want it to get out that every other camera is a fake. And so there's a good reason to tell someone to do something and then say, don't tell anyone I told you to do this.
1: Otherwise, the illusion doesn't work.
0: Right, exactly. So, I mean, there are going to be cases where it's not weird for a supervisor to say, go do this thing. Don't tell anyone I told you to do it.
1: So in this case, Sebastian wants to give this person who's missing the training days the benefit of the doubt, right? That maybe it's COVID-related. You don't really know what's going on. Everyone's having a hard time right now. And so I think he wants to give this person a break, but he's saying, don't tell anyone that this is my policy right now.
0: So I think a a good first step, you know, instead of just reacting and saying, how horrible of you to ask me to keep a secret— it might be good to just slow down a little bit and really try to think through could there be any possible reason why this person, Sebastian, might think it's okay to keep this directive a secret? And again, not reasons that you think are good reasons, but are, are there reasons that you could imagine someone like Sebastian having? And even if you don't think they're good reasons at the end of the day, it would be good to get them out in your mind, in, before your mind's eye, because then you that that's going to open the door to a conversation with Sebastian. So I'm trying to think through what are some good reasons Sebastian might have? And one that comes to mind is you might think there are going to be cases uh, where, in general, you don't want anyone to know that something is a policy. And in fact, the security camera example is a good one, right? Yeah. In general, you don't want people to know that your policy is every other camera's a fake. And so maybe Sebastian has some reason for not letting people, not letting students know that if they stop showing up, they won't be kicked out. So uh, perhaps Sebastian's worried about like, hey, if people find out that we're letting a student who's not showing up slide, then every student will just stop showing up if they don't feel like it and wait till the next thing. So we, we give people a break who we think are going through tough times, like COVID-19, but we sort of wait for them to be going through the hard times and stop showing up rather than announce like, hey, if you can't show up, then don't worry about it.
1: Right. If you're advertising, we're really relaxing our attendance policy right now, you might not have anyone show up at all.
0: So that, that could be that could be a reason. Again, I'm not saying that's a good overriding reason. I'm just, I'm, I could imagine someone being in a situation thinking something along those lines.
1: Andy, you said earlier that it doesn't matter if you think this is a good reason, but if someone did, if your supervisor did, if if Sebastian possibly does. So what if Rose thinks that it is a bad reason to keep something secret, is that you, you don't want everyone to know your policy because you're afraid that then too many people would take advantage of it? How does she navigate that?
0: Okay, good. That's That's a good question. So I think when you're trying to do the work of figuring out what someone else's reasons are that they think are good, even if you don't think they're good reasons... You're actually already on to the next step before you engage with them, which is decide for yourself if you think these are good reasons or not. And Rose may well have a number of considerations for thinking, this just isn't a good enough reason to keep it secret or ask me to keep it secret. So maybe there are other students who are struggling amid COVID, and they're so afraid of being kicked out of the program that they're risking their lives to be there and they would very much appreciate not showing up, but because they've been told the policy is they get kicked out, they're following the rules. And so you, yes, you help this student out who's not showing up, but gosh, by keeping this policy a secret, you're, you're expecting, stu- you don't know what the other students are going through.
1: Right. It sort of obscures the rest of the struggles that other students might be having, but you only give that flexibility to the one who's, who's not showing up at all.
0: Yeah, you reward the person who's willing to not do what they're told, and you basically put the people who are risking their lives to follow the rules, uh, continue to keeping them at risk. Um, And so you might think that's, there are trade-offs to that secrecy. You you might also wonder, like, how much of a problem do we really think this would be? Like, if this is a free job training program, people presumably are in it because they see its independent value... And they really want to advance themselves, uh, you know. D- do we really think that lots of students would suddenly just stop showing up? I'm, I don't know. Like, maybe have a little trust in people that they they'll they won't show up if they're in danger because of COVID. So okay, you've got we've got this reason. We thought about whether or not you think it's a good reason or not. I think before saying anything to Sebastian. It might be good to also just brainstorm some possible solutions that would not require Rose keeping this a secret. So, for example, you know, maybe whoever set the rule, the granting agency, would be amenable to a rule change given that this is COVID, right? You know, like, hey, I know this is normally the rule. Couldn't we at least suspend it temporarily while we're going through this or something like that? Granting agencies do this a lot. I mean, even in this current crisis, I know Mellon reached out to a lot of people who had grants and said, hey, we understand these are really difficult times and uh, don't worry if this impacts you know the scope of your project in some way. Just give us a heads up as to how it's changed, something like that.
1: You could obviously also change the organization of the class. I don't know if this is face-to-face, hopefully now, probably not face-to-face. Um, but if it is, certainly changing it to... A Zoom meeting or something uh, virtual might make it easier for people to attend. And if you've already switched to synchronous Zoom meetings, maybe you could give an asynchronous option uh, with a completion date for uh, like all the work that they should have done by a certain time that might make it easier for people who can't join this training program in a traditional sense that they could still get a lot of the work together. Um, It's possible that some of those changes might make it easier for people to attend.
0: Yeah, and if um, if it has changed in some way, or if the circumstances are really kind of difficult and you have good reason to believe that that's part of it, you might consider whether or not you could, in good conscience, treat this as an excused absence and interpret the rule as allowing for that. So, you know, attendance policies almost always admit of exceptions in extreme circumstances. And and there's this thing called domain restriction that we're often unaware of in language, where even if things say things like never or always, it's pretty clear that we admit of exceptions. So I'll just give you a couple of examples. My boys and I were at a, a DePaul football game, and they have a sign on the door there that says, on, on the bathroom, that says, keep door closed at all times. Now, if, if you read that absolutely literally... <laughs> Uh, you would think you're never allowed to go into the bathroom. And my, my oldest son was like, wait, so we're never allowed to go into the bathroom? I mean, we have to open the door to go into the bathroom. And I was like, well, what they mean is keep it closed at all times, except when you're just going in and out to go to the bathroom. You know, we're good at picking up on when there's exceptions to never and always. And you might think, a student must attend absolutely every class, you might think, come on, like surely absolutely every class doesn't mean, you know, even if you're severely ill or even if a loved one has died or if we're in a catastrophic pandemic uh, and attendance is made difficult because of that. So you might look closely at that rule and see if it's one of these keep the door closed at all times kinds of things where it's reasonable to interpret that it admits of exceptions.
1: And I think you're suggesting that that wouldn't be necessarily a change in policy, but a change in how Rose thought about the policy and thought about the absences rather than seeming unexcused that maybe she would feel more comfortable saying they were excused.
0: Yep. So so Rose has thought of a possible reason, decided maybe I don't like that reason all so much and has some reasons for why, uh, now has a few like, hey, maybe there's some ways that we can go about this without me having to keep the secret. Right. And so, armed with all this, now you've got some things that you can have a more comfortable conversation with Sebastian about. So what, what what Rose could do now, I think, is go to Sebastian and say, hey, you know what? In general, when someone says, keep this meeting a secret, red flags kind of go up. So I left our conversation thinking, you know what? Why would you ask me to keep this a secret? And I thought about it some more, and I realized, oh, wait, you might have this, like, really potentially good reason for why it would be good to keep a secret. I'm curious, is, is this why you don't want me to talk about our conversation because you're worried about students taking advantage, right? Something like that. Or if, if that's not the reason you can, whatever good reason it is you think they might have, you know, is that why? And I think there's sort of two paths here. One, turns out you're right. And Sebastian's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually very, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about students taking advantage. Or you're not right, and then you've opened the gateway in a non-threatening, non-challenging way, sort of assuming that Sebastian is coming from a place of values. You've opened the gate to say for him to say, no, actually, that's not it, although that's a good consideration, but I'm really more worried about this, right? Whatever. And you've given him an invitation to state whatever those uh, good moral reasons are. Uh, Then you find out what those good reasons are. And I said there's two pathways. Oh, shoot. Maybe there's three. The the third is, in your conversation, it gets really awkward, uncomfortable, and you realize you're just being set up to be the fall person. Like, you're you're the patsy. Sebastian really is... Yeah, there's no good reason. Sebastian just doesn't want to take the blame if things hit the fan.
1: Yeah. I And I, I think part of Rose's discomfort is the fear of the third one, right? That maybe without realizing it, or maybe intentionally... Sebastian is asking her to break the rule, bend the rule, ignore the rule, but not tell anyone that she was told to do so.
0: That's the underlying sketchiness here. And so if you find out you're in that situation, to be honest, that's a a topic for another show. Like, you know, what do you do when someone is setting you up to be the fall guy or the fall person? Um, So let's, we're going to set that one aside and it's an unfortunate position, and there's a lot to talk about there. There's still more, but if you find yourself on one of the two pathways where you're basically right, that was the person's apparent good reason, or you're wrong, but they give you some other good reason, then you get to engage in in some dialogue about the alternative solutions. Like, well, hey, do we really need to keep it a secret, though? In general, when we keep secrets, sometimes people are going to get weird about that, even if there's a good reason. So could we maybe try this and, and all those alternative solutions we've talked about? Or if you come up with your own alternative solutions, maybe you find a happy resolution there. And if, if they give you a different good reason, well, you got to do some thinking. Do you think that's a good reason? If you think it's not a good reason, what are your reasons for thinking that? And then again, uh, go down the, I'm not sure that's a weighty enough reason, but here are some alternative solutions.
1: One of the things I really liked about this case and that kind of surprised me about the way that we broke it down is that this phrase, don't tell anyone that we had this conversation or keep it, let's keep it between us. That sounds so sketchy and so many red flags just immediately pop up, right? But talking through it, a person might have good reasons to want to keep something a secret and that sometimes that things on their face look like bad practice but might actually have good intention or good reason behind them.
0: Yeah, and so it's when you find yourself in a sketchy situation, it might be good to do a little digging and think through why someone might have good moral reasons to do the thing they're doing. And and there's a couple of other reasons why this is a good thing, right? You, you, you might discover something, and congrats. You're not being super judgmental, right? You've actually approached someone with charity and, and decided, well, maybe they've got some other kind of good reason. The other thing is, when you go to have that conversation you'll reveal an opening to engage in a conversation with that person. You know, you really want to keep this a secret because I think it's because of this reason. And you signal to them that you think they're coming from a place of value. And when you do that, you're going to be much more likely to have a productive conversation, and you might be much more likely to get them to change their mind as opposed to you being like you want me to keep this a secret. Why? That's shady. What's going on? Right? Like that that's going to put them on the defensive whereas this gives you an avenue to have a conversation with them that's going to be less combative.
1: So that might be good for Rose to consider. What about some things for Sebastian to consider? If you're in a position of management.
0: Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's a good thing. We've been talking a lot about Rose, but there are some general takeaways for people in positions of power and management that generalized to other situations and and one I think is being really mindful of the fact that asking someone to do something that either could make them look bad or provide them with less cover should things go wrong you know you you're putting a lot of pressure on them they're in a really vulnerable position because if they don't do what you say they're vulnerable and if they do what you say you you know, you've know you left them high and dry. Now, now people are going to look at them and think they messed up. And there are a lot of situations where managers can ask people to do something and they don't realize how that person might think, if I do it this way, it's going to make me look bad. And so being mindful of when you're asking people to do things that are going to make them feel like they're going to look bad, you should just be always on guard for those kinds of situations. Just in general being mindful of when you ask people to keep things secret at all. You know, that that seems like it should be a last resort kind of thing, or or only if you have really, really good reasons. You know, secrecy breeds mistrust. Uh, If people find out that there's secret policies in place, or secret things going on, you know, their mind is just going to run wild with like, what other kinds of things uh, might be secret here? And you know, you might breed mistrust with the person you're asking, right? They're like, oh, you're asking me to keep a secret? Like, well, what's up with this? And, you, you know, that you might, you might do damage to that relationship.
1: You're making someone a co-conspirator without actually letting them in on the conspiracy, right? They don't know why they're keeping a secret, but you're holding to them to that secret.
0: Yeah, and if you do this a lot, you just come across as someone who's really, really political and conniving and manipulative, and you just... I don't think you want to go down that road. And to be honest, uh, you know, if, if you find that you're in a position where you're asking someone to keep a secret, uh, you should do some, some self-reflection on whether or not you think you have really good reasons for this, because it, if you can't find a way to clearly communicate why what you're doing is okay, so that you don't feel pressure to keep it a secret... You might want to double check your reasoning there, because maybe deep down, you're not as confident in the reasoning as you think you are. If you feel like you need to keep it a secret, you should ask yourself, why can't I convince someone that this is an okay way to go in a way that I don't have to keep it a secret? So if you have to keep it a secret, there's some perceived badness there that you don't know how to explain away, Uh, and that should give you pause. Thanks so much for joining us as we try to get ethics to work. I'm Andy Cullison.
1: And I'm Kate Berry. If you have a question about business ethics you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at katherineberry at depaw.edu and maybe we'll talk through your issue on the air.
0: We hope you are staying safe and healthy in this crisis. We also hope you can take some of what we discussed here and get it to work.
1: If you want to learn more about what we talked about on the show today, check out our show notes page at prindleinstituteorg getethics to work That's all one word: get ethics to work. Remember to subscribe to get new episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. But regardless of where you subscribe, please be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It is still the best place for us to meet new listeners. Getting Ethics to Work is hosted by the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University. Our logo was created by Smallbox. Our music is by Blue.Sessions and can be found online at www.sessions.blue. Our show is made possible with the generous support of DePaul alumni, friends of the Prindle Institute, and you, the listeners. Thank you for your support. The views expressed here are the opinions of the individual speakers alone. They do not represent the position of DePaul University or the Prindle Institute for Ethics.